You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. What is God's perfect will for my life? Or what is God's will? How do I know God's will for my life? I'm, I, I need you to pray for me that I'll know God's will. Well, it is easy to know God's will because the answer is in His Word and it's in Romans 12. Romans 12 is a great chapter that will guide you and help you learn how to find God's perfect will for your life. Because you really do want God's perfect will for your life. You know, we're here on earth for a purpose. We don't want to just be floating through this life, falling here, falling there. No, we want to know that our life has meaning, that there is a plan for us, and we need to know the perfect will for God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 12. If not, you can read it on the screen. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is urging us. He's the one who wrote Romans, and he's urging us because it's a choice for us. We don't have to do this. So he's going, please, I'm begging you. Can you please do this? Can you, in view of God's mercy, what does that mean? He has spent from Romans 1 to 11 presenting a case to us about the mercy of God. He's been explaining how God is a merciful God, how we don't deserve His grace, but He came down from heaven and died and paid a price for us. So He's presented this whole case. So he's like, okay, so in view of everything I've said from, verse, from chapter 1 to 11, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why living? Well, up to then, before Jesus, uh, just after, um, before Jesus died, the sacrifices were all dead, dead animals. In fact, today, most religions still offer dead sacrifices to their gods. But our God is different. He requires a living sacrifice. You, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And He requires your body. Why? Because your body is your soul. It is your spirit and it is your flesh. He wants the whole thing. Everything to do with you, he wants as a sacrifice to him. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Worship is not just the slow song after the fast song where everyone close their eyes and go like this. That is part of worship, but God is saying true worship is not just that, but offering your bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. These two verses show us how to find God's good, pleasing and perfect will for our life. So the first thing is, is we got to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. The definition of sacrifice in the dictionary is this. A sacrifice is a loss or something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. As a Christian, we have to give up some rights. We have to give up some flesh for a better cause. What is the better cause? To worship God. Fasting, 
some of us are fasting at the moment, is a sacrifice. But we do it for a better cause. Serving is a sacrifice. Some of you came in today, instead of sleeping in, having breakfast in bed, you got up early while it was dark, and you came to church, and you served, why? For a better cause. Purity. Thank you, we love our volunteers. Purity is a sacrifice. It is, you are forsaking your selfish needs, what your hormones are telling you. You're forsaking it for a better cause. Praising can be a sacrifice. You come in tired and weary and the, word, the praise team, they, they say, come on, jump and come on, give God glory. And you're like, I'm so tired. But when you choose to praise Him, you are sacrificing for a better cause. Jesus called us to pick up our cross. Matthew 10, 38 says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That is a very scary verse. And sometimes we have no problem at all sacrificing for family, sacrificing for our children because we know one day they'll grow up, make lots of money and bless us. <laughs> sacrificing that girl or guy that we're impressing because maybe one day they'll become our future spouse. Sacrificing that investment with a lot of money because we're counting on the fact that that money's gonna come back bigger for us. We have no problem sacrificing when we know what we're getting back in return, but sacrificing to God, when we may not get things back the way we want or, uh, or how it looks like for us that we think is best for us, that can be a different story. You know, um, Sometimes I have these little uh, tantrums, I would say, with God. And uh, I can sometimes express my feelings to Him very passionately. Um, and it's usually after I've expressed my feelings passionately with my husband. <laughs> and so one time we were having a disagreement, me and my husband, and we're on the driveway of someone's house. And I got so angry that I jumped in the car and drove off, not realizing he had my phone and I didn't know the suburb I was in. So I got quite lost driving around the streets of this place. And while I was driving, I am presenting my case to God and telling him it's not fair. It's not fair that I have to pay the price for this, 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 that I don't get this nice house like other people do. And they have a nice, normal life, disciplined, routine life. And I can't do it. And it's not fair, God. And it's not fair that I married a guy who was a lawyer because every time I try and express myself to him, it just, I don't win. It's not fair. So I'm just complaining about my life to him. And I'm sure he was up in heaven going, here she goes again. And as I'm complaining and crying as I'm driving, I hear this voice and it's that voice of the Holy Spirit. You know how he cuts across your thoughts sometimes? Just cuts across and says to me, there's a woman on the other side of the world right now who's crying as well. And she's also upset about the price she has to pay. 
And I was like, see, God, there's more of us. <laughs> he said, but her price is a little different to yours. She's just lost her husband because he wouldn't deny Christ in a country that persecutes Christians. Suddenly the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon me and I thought, what am I doing? Why am I complaining about these little pathetic sacrifices when there are people out there that are really offering their body as a living sacrifice? And you, Jesus, came down and died on a cross for me. The least I can do is live my life and offer it as a living sacrifice for him. Any sacrifice we do is nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us. And if we are not prepared to sacrifice our bodies for the Lord, how can we be prepared for the perfect will of God for our life? I used to live with my brother. We uh, were roommates together in an apartment and he got a girlfriend and I was single at the time. And on the weekends, he'd go down and stay with his girlfriend's family, which was about two hours away from our place. And I was complaining to my mother and I said, it's not fair, I hate it. First off, she, he has a girlfriend, I don't have anybody. And second, I'm alone in the house at night. I don't like being alone, I'm scared, you know, um, something could happen. And as I'm complaining to her, she says, maybe the Lord's getting you ready for a husband that travels. See, sometimes, especially as single people, or you single people, sometimes the complaints you have, the sacrifices you make, God's just getting you ready for the perfect will for your, God, your life. God is getting you ready for the perfect will for your life. And then the verse says, do not conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. Everybody's going in a certain direction. And the word is saying, don't go that direction. Go the opposite direction. What they tell you in the world, don't do what they say because that's not God's way. The Passion Version says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. How much of our belief system and our goals and the way we do business and the way we do family is shaped by the media by family, by culture that is going against God's laws, God's guidelines, God's kingdom culture. We cannot conform that way. And because we can so easily conform and not even know it, Paul in Romans 12 outlines the things we should not conform to just in case we've missed it. He starts with don't conform to pride. Romans 12, 3, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. We don't need to impress everybody when they ask us what we do. Well, well, if it wasn't for me, you know, the whole company would fall apart. If it wasn't for me, my husband and our family wouldn't be able to do what we, like we don't have to convince people of our self-importance and try to be so desperate to see people, uh, to have people look at us with a false image. 
Romans 12, 16 says, live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. We got to make sure that we are humble, especially when we're at work and we think, well, my opinion matters. I think I know what's going on. And we talk rather than listen to what's happening around us and thinking we're too important to, to help somebody or to, um, you know, pick up some garbage on the floor. No, that's, that's the maid's job, not my job. Like things like that, where we become too proud to be able to, do those small tasks that God watches. You might be saying, well, I'm not full of pride. I, I don't go around and tell people how I'm amazing I am. No, but maybe you've got some racial pride. Maybe you think your race is more superior than another race. Maybe you're in dishonoring jokes with races. You define people by their race and roll your eyes at the shops. Maybe you've told your children, hey, stick to our race. We're God's favorite. The other races, you know, it's too hard. It's too hard. And, and we've, we raise children with that mindset as well, which is just not of God. You know, when they all cut us open, we all have the same color blood. We really are just the same. We're all one people. And when we get to heaven, I don't think there's going to be the Chinese community, the Indian community, the Europeans. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think we're all going to be one, brothers and sisters as one. So we need to start living like that here. Don't conform to being self-centered. Romans 12, verse 4. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And Paul goes on to talk about how the body of Christ is like the, our human body, that there are different departments and different giftings that we're all part of, and each affects the other. And there's not one that's more important than the other. They're the prof, the prophetic ministry or team are not more important than the kids' ministry. It's like we're all together as one. In Romans 12, 9, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Oh, that's hard. Need to let the connect leader know that our marriage is fine. Even though we were yelling and screaming at each other on the way here to church. Oh, cannot go up for prayer. No, 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 no. If they see us, they'll think something's up. No, and we are so busy sometimes wearing these false masks to present perfect family, perfect marriage, perfect kids. It's okay. We know you don't have a perfect marriage. We know you don't have perfect. It's okay. We got to make sure that, that we are not so self-centered that we're so busy wearing the role of an actor wearing a mask. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. This cuts out competition and comparison. When we're like, why don't they pick me? Huh? I'm a better singer. Or why don't they pick me? I, I can speak better. Why did they pick them? And no, cheer that other person on. 
Promote them. At work, promote that colleague. Go, boss, this person is good. Like, so be, be more um, focused on promoting them than yourself. I always tell my boys, boys, I tell each of them, the other one is better at music than you, so get over it. And cheer each other on and always promote the other one over yourself. It cuts that comparison out of us. So different to the world, who's all about competing. Romans 12, 13, take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests in your home. Good job, Connect Leaders. That's what you do. Every fortnight, you open your home and you let sometimes strangers in that you've never met before, but someone's called and asked if they could come to your connect group and you open up. It's exact opposite to what the world would say to do. Don't conform to offense. Romans 12, 14, speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. Wow. Okay, I was all good until she got to that part. (laughs) Cursing is not just using swear words. It's saying things like, Oh man, I wish they were dead. I wish they would leave work. I wish they would move church. I wish they would, my neighbors would leave. That's cursing. I wish they, God, you would do something with them. Instead of focusing on what God needs to do with us. I was speaking to a man uh, last week after this message and he was telling me as I was speaking, he realized how angry he gets in business when something goes wrong doing business with other people and they intentionally hurt him he wants to make them hurt back and I said that's what humans do when we hurt we want you to hurt because you hurt us and that is the pattern of the world but God is saying don't conform that way Romans 12 17 never hold a grudge even against your husband or try to get even with your brother. But plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy them lunch. Win them over with kindness, for your surprisingly generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favor. You might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't really have any enemies. How do you go with your family, extended family, or your colleague that backstabbed you and took all the credit and then got promoted and you didn't? And the world says, take them down. The world says, give him the silent treatment. The world says, make him sleep on the couch. (laughs) But God is saying, don't conform to the world. Love them. Take them out for lunch. Buy them a gift. Write an encouraging text to them saying how amazing they are. Go the exact opposite to what the world would do. It's so important that we let go of unforgiveness. Christians... Hold on to unforgiveness sometimes. And then they wonder why their life has no favor. You know, they're like, 
enemy is so hard on me at the moment. I'm getting like totally attacked with the enemy. No, you just have unforgiveness. And so you are missing out on the blessing of God because he's not forgiving you. As the Bible says, if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. And so we got to let go. We've got to forgive. We got to let God deal with them. We got to put them on God's hook. Don't conform to evil. Romans 12, 9, despise evil. Despise it. That means despise those evil conversations, those conniving conversations, those backstabbing conversations. Despise them. Those um, evil movies, evil songs, despise them. And embrace everything that is good and virtuous. NIV says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The world says, give it back to them. How they've treated you, you let them know it. But God is saying, no. No matter how evil they've been to you, return it with good. If we are not prepared to not conform to the world, then how can we know God's perfect will for our lives? We're so consumed with conforming to the world. God is sitting over here going, I've got a perfect will for you. And it will make your business better, your family better, your parenting better, your relationships with your, with your in-laws better. I, I've got this better way. And so it's time for us to stop conforming to the world and start doing what God has asked us to do. Then it says, be transformed. Be transformed. You know, the definition of transformation or being transformed is things are different than they once were. So we are like given a completely different form or appearance. So when people go, wow, you know, um, they've transformed this organization. It's like the organization is completely different to what it used to be. Or, or, um, or people's bodies sometimes, they transform their bodies. They lose lots of weight and they look good. And it's like, wow, you look so different to what you did. The Bible's telling us to be transformed. I love renovation shows. I love them. I love watching them. I love how they take an old building and then they transform it into a really nice, unrecognizable building. And it's just so wow. And you're just so blown away with that. I get so excited by that. In fact, that's why I'm loving the One City Project because that's what we're doing at the moment. We're taking an old rundown auditorium and transforming it to be an amazing house of the Lord. But there's these architects uh, that have a website that show how they transform houses. And there's this picture here of this house. This was built, I think, in around 1950s. And it's a pretty plain looking house. If you drove down this street, it probably wouldn't stand out to you as being special because it just looks average and normal. This was before the renovation. When the architects got a hold of it and renovated it, it looked like this. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That response of wow should be the same response people have about you. Wow, you've been transformed. You used to curse, now you bless. You used to lie, now you tell the truth. You used to get angry, now you're so peaceful. So this house here has different windows, has a different garage, has a different um, ceiling. They added to it so the capacity is bigger for the house and they painted it and it just looks like a completely different house, but it's at the same address. Same address, same body, 
same address, you've just been transformed. That's what we need to be. We need to go into our workplaces, our schools, or you, whoever we are, and not have to say a word, and they'll be like, wow, you're different, without even having to say anything. When I came back to the Lord, I caught up with a friend of mine who we used to hang out all the time uh, back in the day when I was away from the Lord, and so she knew me very well. And when she saw me after I had my encounter with the Lord, she was blown away and she said this, she said, your eyes are so alive. They're like glowing. There's like a light coming out of them. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, before your eyes always looked dead, but there's something in your eyes and it looks alive. And I didn't have to tell her you know, come in and go, hey, how are you? I've had an encounter with God. Can't you see by my eyes and blink? Feel the glory through my eyes. Like I wasn't even aware that my eyes looked alive. I didn't even realize my eyes looked dead in that past. I, I, that was the first time anyone had said anything to me about feeling the glory through my eyes. But she noticed the difference that I had been transformed. If we are not prepared to be transformed, how can we be ready for God's perfect will for our lives? God has great dreams for you. He has great plans for you. He wants to see you do incredible things, but you need to be transformed to be ready for what He has for you. Then you need to renew your mind. Renew your mind, renewing your mind. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Verse 11 in the Passion Version says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards Him boiling hot. How's your passion towards the Lord? Is it boiling hot? Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. We've got to renew our minds. It, it takes an active um, decision on our part to renew our mind. We can't expect anybody else to renew our mind. We have to do it. One time uh, we had led this guy to the Lord and he was completely transformed, completely. And he was so enthusiastic. He was witnessing to everybody about his salvation. And he got into an argument with one of his colleagues and the colleagues turned around and said, you've been brainwashed. And he goes, yes, I have. I, my brain has been washed by the blood of Jesus. I don't think the same. I don't process the same. I'm not tormented the same because I've been washed. That's what renewing your mind is. It's washing your brain. And how do we do that? Well, we need to pray. Join a prayer meeting. Join a prayer meeting. We have prayer meetings every day. Sometimes, somewhere in the world, we are praying. Join the 24th. 4-7 movement. You know, um, 
start speaking in tongues every day. Pastor Mark has had us do this challenge where this team have been starting. And I know many Connect leaders are doing it too. They're putting 10 to 15 minutes aside every day to speak in the language of the Holy Spirit. What are you doing when you're doing that? You're renewing your mind. You don't even know what you're saying, but you're cleaning your mind out when you do that. Put on the victory dress code and renew your mind. You're renouncing lies. You're asking God to protect your mind. It's renewing. Meditate on the Word of God day and night in the morning and think about it all day and pray it at night. Like that is renewing your mind. Fill your mind with pure things. Good music, good movies or good shows, good books, good conversations. You know those conversations that you leave going, wow, where your mind is just filled with the things of God. Fasting. That's another way to renew your mind. When you fast, when you, when you put aside some time to focus on the Lord and relying on the Holy Spirit rather than on flesh, you are renewing your mind. If we are not prepared to renew our mind, how can we hear God's perfect will for our lives? You've got to renew your mind to hear the voice of God. Or what voice are you listening to? You wouldn't even know. You have no discernment. You have no idea what the will of God is for your life if you don't go after renewing your mind daily. Daily. We live in a world that's so full of darkness that when we go outside our house, things are trying to cling on to our mind. Fog, confusion, fear, the principalities and powers in the city tries to attach itself to us. So every day by renewing your mind, you are protecting yourself. I'm going to ask the team to come up. And as I do, I want to go back to this verse, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why don't we stand in this place? Do you want to know the perfect will of God for your life? Are you living in the perfect will of God? In your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your serving? Or are you confused? Not sure? Are you happy where you're at? Do you have contentment? Are you content? Or do you know that there's something more? The first step in pursuing God's perfect will for your life is surrender. S surrendering your whole body, which is your soul, which is all your emotions, your mind, your feelings, all of that soul, your will. It's offering that up and surrendering that to the Lord. It's, it's surrendering your body. Some of us, our bodies are enslaved to sin and we need to surrender our actual body to the Lord. 
or maybe it's um, and, and your spirit. You need to surrender your spirit. You need the whole package. It starts with a surrender from your heart. Holy Spirit, would you right now reveal to us what we need to surrender to you? That we would be a group of people that really are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. We want to worship you the proper way, the true, the true way. So right now we just take a moment, Holy Spirit. We want to surrender. We want to surrender. Come on, begin to surrender. Surrender that, that family member, that child that fear, that job, that resources. Some of you need to surrender unforgiveness right now. You've got to surrender it up to Him, that person you have angry with. You've got to surrender it up right now. Holy Spirit, show us what we are holding on to that we need to give to You right now. We surrender to You, God. We surrender to You with everything within us. We surrender to You. We surrender our will to you right now in jesus name in jesus name thanks for listening to this week's message if you have never entered into a relationship with jesus we want you to know that he loves you very much so much that he died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and god if you would like to make a decision to follow jesus today all you need to do is to repeat this prayer dear god I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.